We're here today with Rohadi Nagasar. Rohadi is the author of a new book called When We Belong, Reclaiming Christianity in the Margins from Herald Press. Rohadi is a writer, entrepreneur, nonprofit developer, and pastor. He lives on Treaty 7 land in Calgary, Alberta. He writes in the areas of anti-racist discipleship, diversity and inclusion, deconstruction, and decolonizing the church. He's previously contributed in the areas of church planting, missional thinking, and church revitalization. He's both a practitioner and thought leader, having planted two churches, including an inner-city multi-ethnic expression called Cypher Church. You can find his articles on mission and decolonizing the church at Sojourners, V3, New Leaf Network, Mosaic Ministries, and more. His previous books include Soul Coats, Bible-themed adult coloring, Thrive, Ideas to Lead the Church in Post-Christiantum, and Hashtag Change the Story, a short resource on dismantling racism in the church. You can visit him at rohadi.com for more, including his podcast, Faith in a Fresh Vibe. So, Rohadi, thanks so much for joining us, and uh, congratulations on all of your work. It's really wonderful to see a young entrepreneur uh, being out there and accomplishing so much. Well, thanks so much, Brian, and thanks for having me. So could you uh, spend a little bit of time telling folks a little bit more about your background than what I touched on briefly? Yeah, as you shared in the intro, I'm in Calgary here, which to situate for American listeners, I'm about three and a half hours north of the Montana border. Um, I've lived in Calgary for almost my whole life, so over 37 years around that, but I was born in Trinidad, and so Trinidad's the last island in the Caribbean, uh, just off the coast of Venezuela. So you could say that uh, for myself and for most of my family, uh, we have spent, or I have spent most of my life in the church. So I grew up in the church, probably starting around five, six years old, and what I would now label as um, evangelicalism or white evangelicalism. And being a multi-ethnic person, the idea of belonging in church community was always something that remained elusive to me. And so as I left my church, went to seminary, went to university, I went into the realm of church planning, of trying to answer some of the questions of belonging and inclusivity in communities. And that's sort of the space where I've existed since on this edge of inside or maybe edge of outside space. Um, and that's partly where when we belong uh, comes from situated in that context so uh, i've never been to trinidad but before uh, we started the interview uh we talked about calgary which you know i just completely love that that area so um yeah i hope you enjoy that <laughs> i do yeah i talk about it a lot in the book of of uh mountain adventures just going up mountains as almost a a, a spiritual exercise so uh, if you can do it, that's a rhythm I've adopted in my 30s. So, Good for you. Good for you. Um, so before we get to the new book, can you tell us a little bit about the previous books that you wrote? Yeah, they're all so different. Um, the first book, which really was the second book, 
is soul coats. And so if you remember the adult coloring book craze, right. Six years ago, I was like, you know, is there a Christian version that's not, you know, junk? And the answer was no, which was in hindsight, um, something I probably should have ignored <laughs> as I, I went out and I created one and with the intent of creating a beautiful book. And so beauty was part of it. And it was a business venture as well. So I um, art directed it and created a story for uh, these images. And then I, in fact, hired local artists to do the images. And one of the rules was don't do cliche images of some of the major stories in the Bible. And it is a beautiful book. Um, but I also self-published that one. And uh, it gave me everything, almost everything I need to know about the ins and outs of publishing and uh, the difficulties of publishing. So the book is still out. Um, and if you would like one, they are sitting on a pallet in my garage. So, uh, if you want to buy a pallet, I've got a pallet. <laughs> uh, so that's all called. <laughs> um, the other book, Thrive, is a book on church planting, or at least initially was about church planting, and I altered it somewhat to be about how to turn ideas real. And so folks who are thinking of different ways to usher in change in the church, and this is really applicable, even though it came out in 2017, applicable for a post or current COVID world, of how in church communities we can imagine new things and implement them. And so that was Thrive. And then I, I wrote a short resource right around Charlottesville, uh, just around the time of Trump, maybe just before, a short resource, maybe 60 pages, a booklet on, on um, ushering in some level of change and alertness, predominantly to white churches, because when we belong is not situated to a white readership, but uh, that change the story is, and lots of folks at that time are asking questions. So I created that ebook. Is that available on your website, Rohani? Uh, that one you can get free. Uh, the ebook, if you sign up to the newsletter, my uh, twice monthly newsletter. So okay. that was kind of the um, the carrot on the end of the stick for the newsletter. Okay, cool. Uh, I'll try to find the link. Uh, it, it's just at rohattie.com somewhere. Okay, good. So um, let's talk about the new book. As I said, the title is When We Belong. Oh, yeah. Christianity on the Margins. It's a beautiful book. Uh, I love the color of it, for one thing, but it's a great book inside as well. Um, what motivated you to write that? Yeah, that's a good question. I was just reflecting on that the other day because for myself uh, as a writer, I use... Um, a different notebook for every writing project. That's just my process. And so I have this notebook and it says remarkable on the fringe. And if you look into the book uh, at the, um, the, the intro, uh, what, what's it called? The, when I'm. Yeah. The one, of, the single page, it says to you, dear reader, remarkable person on the fringe. Yeah. yeah that's that's <laughs> my, to you, like my dedication and so in that, I realized that that book that I had envisioned maybe in 2016 had finally come to fruition in a totally different form. Hmm. So when we belong initially, like 
after the Remarkable on the Fringe, which I forgot about in some ways, I wanted to create a book to give to leaders of the church who were designing more inclusive spaces. So the answer might have revolved around creating multi-ethnic church expressions, but that's kind of boring. And also it really reduces the readership of your target. Uh, So I switched it and then expanded it way more to say, okay, anyone who has experienced that ain't right moments in the church where you find yourself on the outside, whether it be something out of your control or beliefs. And one of the key characteristics I use is one of racialization in the church. If anything has pushed you to the outside and you've been thrust out of community, you're kind of flailing around wondering what options do I have for community and belonging? And so that's where I situate the book around the story of all the folks and the stories I hear, both in ministry and and around me, of folks who are leaving the faith or questioning the faith and all they're getting in response are answers from an institution that seems to be more interested in protecting privilege than encountering people where they're at. And so When We Belong gives some language to those who are trying to figure out at Christianity in a modern world, and also belonging through a Jesus framework of radical inclusivity, of one where you can live out your whole self and live out the fullness of who you've been made to be in community. So it's a journey and a book offering pathways unto those possibilities. Cool, cool. So it's targeted more for attendees as opposed to church leaders so to speak yeah and and i suppose yeah definitely yeah for sure it's not situated to church leadership uh anymore that was the initial idea scrapped it it's for those who are in the pew but in my context as a as a minister i am not in a traditional church for the past 20 years haven't been and so i'm actually thinking and right now it's hot to use the words of deconstruction So all the folks who are deconstructing, who never went back after this pandemic or we're still in it, uh, folks who are actually not in the pew anymore, probably grew up in the church, but are now jaded and they have some nascent connection. They're hanging on by a thread and they're looking for that thread again something to grasp a hold of and make sense of their faith in a modern world moving forward. And there aren't very many books written outside of a white hegemonic gaze, um, especially in publishing because it's so dominated by certain voices. So to come and offer the possibilities of a Christian faith that's outside of a Western European lens and say, Hey, there's options. You don't have to go check these ones out. That's kind of where I land. Cool. Or at least the possibilities I push forward. Yeah, yeah. So I'd like to talk about the organization of the book a little bit. There's four main sections, belonging, deconstruction, reclamation, and beautiful tales. Hmm. How did you decide to structure it that way? Yes. I would like to say that I came and approached this project with those four parts in place and it all flowed from there. It's not the case. Um, Like many writing projects, 
it sort of reveals itself as you go. And not only that, you figure out some pieces of it at the end. And so I think titling them probably came a little bit later. Um, there's, there's a middle part there around deconstruction where I suggest that we have to name the things that are pressing against those who are seeking to be whole. So all the things that ain't right, we have to name the foundations that's, that are producing malformed ideas. And so deconstruction is sort of that journey. The initial part one is on belonging, so bringing the problem. But I don't want to leave readers in a place where everything's depressing. And so the beautiful tales part and also the reclamation, which is in the subtitle of reclaiming Christianity, because so many folks have walked away from the church. And I want to say that, hey, you know, when you think about walking away from, let's say, white evangelicalism, is there not a possibility that there's so much other Christian experience out there beyond uh, an American or Canadian lens? And if there are, what would it look like? And so really, it's a reclamation of this Jesus story of Jesus, a marginalized person uh, under occupation from Rome, of uh, leading and previewing for a church community to embody radical pieces such as love for the other and radical inclusion. So to reclaim and grasp these ideas for community is, I think, an exercise we need to do as those who are at least jaded with our faith or those who are still in the church to say that there are pieces to grasp a hold of here. Let's name them. Let's give it some flesh. And let's also uh, celebrate those. So I offer a lens where we can grasp a sense of our Christianity in a modern way. I use uh, language of decolonization, uh, just going through that process of finding a faith that grants life for all, not just me, but for all people. And then I trail off with beautiful tales of saying imperfectly when you apply these things or try them out, there's beauty in that. And there's beauty in the imperfection. There's beauty when you try to figure out with your friends, what does this community look like? and to celebrate those things. So uh, it is a narrative structure in, in that I want to bring the reader through a sense of, of pulling out what they're feeling, naming the problems of those things, and then not leaving you there, adding some flesh so that you can walk away into possibilities of better. Well, I really like the acknowledgement of imperfection, you know, that you're talking about because i mean as much as we all might want to try to do the right thing it's never um we're all humans we're all fallible and uh it's difficult and particularly in complex difficult topics and situations like we're discussing mm. yeah yeah and you know what that the last chapter was the one i wrote last <laughs> unsurprisingly but it was also one where i struggled I struggled a lot because oftentimes in books, we want the answers. We want to tie it up in, in a nice bow. We want happily ever after. And I leave it in some sense of tension with a, an admission of, I don't know. 
I don't, I don't know the full answers of how to do these things. I'm in the midst of it. I'm tr- still trying to figure it out. And that's, in fact, the place and the posture you want to be in, I think. And, and that displays a sense of, of health, I think, in community. So there's, there's a bit of unresolved tension in the end because there's no formula to this, only uh, opportunities and, and places where we can be faithful to say yes. No, I, I totally agree. I mean, for more, one of the problems of Christianity historically has been this belief that Christianity has all the answers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that, you know, the opposite of faith is, you know, disbelief, not believing. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, in Probably. reality, it's uncertainty is a good thing. It's a necessary thing. Yeah. It's, you know, for any of us to believe otherwise, I think is... Mm-hmm naive and you know i would agree plenty of other insincere adjectives that we can think about but in any event um i'd like to read a couple of endorsements of the book um this one's from our friend terence lester he says when we belong captures jesus core message of belonging if you have been tired and weary of your on your faith journey and are looking for words to remind you that belonging is the way forward the rohati nagasar's book is for you so can you talk a little bit about how you see Jesus's words fostering belonging? It's not just words. It was an embodiment. It's love not merely as ethic, but as one that can be touched and felt and smelt. And so when we think of Jesus as the lens through which we understand both scripture, but also our faith and also our humanity, we linger around these themes of what does, and, and in the book I center around the notions of love and all of its forms, so a love for God, a love for one another in community, and a love for the other, which is the neighbor, which is tied into this love for yourself as well. And so love is something to be embodied but there's also a unique aspect of what Jesus is calling his disciples and later what the church embodies as well, is that this radical love, it produces radical inclusivity as well. And that's a space where the church has struggled. The contemporary church now has struggled. It still struggles. And you can label any, anybody who's been pushed to the margins for whichever reason you know what it feels like to be cast out. So I use my story as the center of being a racialized minority, but there are other intersections, gender, sexuality. Like the church just is not very good as a whole of, of approaching and dealing with marginalized community because it's so used of operating at the center of attention mm-hmm. in inherited privilege. Yet that's not the space where Jesus operated. And so there's something for us to learn and to pull from, to apply in the church as Christians today to reclaim what Jesus was preaching, showing, displaying, incarnating for us today. And I think it centers around those practices of radical love, but also the aspects of radical inclusivity along with that. So all the embodied pieces to get communities to look like not places of sameness, 
where everyone looks, thinks, acts, earns, votes, and so forth the same, rather one that looks more like our inner cities, uh, churches as spaces that are a wealth of diversity. Those are things to be championed and cherished. Yet what we have, again, is, is this problem of, of uh, birds of a feather. Birds of a feather flock together, and that's not the Jesus way. And so I think Jesus offers us this direction, answers in a way, uh, for us to once again imperfectly, but try to embody this radical ethic of love and to do so as a pursuit, like within that ethic is hidden this idea. It's not hidden. I shouldn't say hidden. But it, within that space is where we find the fullness of life. And so when we can try to figure out and embody those pieces for ourselves, but also to display for others in the context of community, we're chasing the fullness of life. And I, that's liberation. That's where I, I want to be. Well said. Well said. So here's another a comment from uh, Carlos Rodriguez. Rohani Nask. Nagasar is both fearless and gentle. You're either scared for your life or grateful for his, or both equally. Either way, his words invite you to legitimately examine your place, your truths, and your journey. When we belong is just like him, fearless and gentle. So how would you say that the book is both fearless and gentle? <laughs> I know most of the endorsers. I don't personally know Carlos, and so for him to uh, leave those words... Um, they mean a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, the fearless part is part of naming powers. And so in chapters four and five or five and six, I venture through a process of pulling out the foundational problems that are producing malformed ideas in our Christianity. And that involves an interrogation of power. And so to call out white supremacy and Christian supremacy, to weave together a history of that, but also to mark how that applies today. So the history produces what we still have today. Uh, it serves us. Uh, it, in fact, it's a disservice to claim we're in a, a colorblind world. We've made it. Rather, we need to acknowledge and name these aspects. So the fearless part's probably the the pieces of white supremacy, of uh, Christian supremacy, all these things that are, in fact, anti-kingdom. The church is not the empire, nor should the church get in bed with the empire for the sake of pursuing more power. It is supposed to be the critique of empire. <laughs> so the gentleness part, I think, is not leaving the re reader in a lurch to say, here are all the broken pieces. Now go off and figure it out. I try to then lend, uh, it's like being, <laughs> your paradigm is broken and shattered on the floor. You're going to need some pieces or some guidelines to help put together the start of a new story. And so that's what I try to weave together our options, possibilities, and new pathways to make sense of our faith in healthier ways. Cool, cool. So, um if you had one thing that you'd like people to take away from the book, what would it be? One thing. That's a good one. 
you know, I want readers to pull out something that offers them a sense of hope. Because I do think if you resonate with the content, then some aspect of your faith has left you in that lurch, has left you in a place where you're doubting. And the doubt is okay, but I want to point towards better, point towards that fullness of life, point towards liberation where there wasn't liberation before. And if you can capture that in your own story, then the book's a success. <laughs> Very cool. So um, what about future projects? Are there anything you can talk about um, at this point? Um, yeah, you know, you know, writers are supposed to always be writing. And, <laughs> um, you know, like, it's, so part of it is any writers out there, you always have your pen in your notebook and you're always spitting out things because that's just trying to make sense of what's going on in your head. Um, I, I still write, um, but now I've shifted a little bit just in terms of like uh, uh, putting gas back into the tank after completing this When We Belong um, project. So I do have some ideas, again, probably of challenging some inherited assumptions of church, maybe around worship or music, just how stuck that is in one place. Uh, but I don't have the next exciting idea that I'm going to grasp and it's like, ah, yes, that's the next book. Not there yet. Cool, cool. Well, I mean, you're right in the midst of launching, you know, yeah. one book. So yeah. you get it. A chance to you know do that well and worry about how long that's not <laughs> a problem supposed to have the next one right <laughs> yeah so beyond just books i mean uh how heavily do you communicate through video and other forms yeah writing is intentional i mean i opted to cultivate that skill over others um i guess some folks would be like oh you know you could do both but, you know, I chose to do writing rather than, say, music. And that was intentional. So I haven't gone down the direction of video. Um, I still don't have a TikTok account. <laughs> Am I supposed to? Like, I don't know. I think I missed it. <laughs> there are those possibilities of uh, writing is, is the number one piece. And I'm interested to see where this, where this uh, book takes me. And then there's just the simple aspects of trying to be faithful in a small community as a very part, like not even part-time minister and all the other jobs I have to bankroll the fun things. So, so yeah, that's, that's sort of the ongoing iterations of, of, you know, what am I doing? Tons of stuff. Well, what's, you know, the next big thing, I don't know. I'm touch and feel, but writing is the wheelhouse for sure. Cool. Cool. So again, the title of the book is when we belong reclaiming Christianity on the margins. It's available from Harold press and wherever books are sold. Mm -hmm. And you can learn more about Rohati and all of his work at Rohati.com. So thanks again for joining us. It's really going to be, I think fun for us all to watch, you know, your progress and what you do uh, in the future. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Brian. My pleasure.